Well, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This morning we'll be looking at verses 5 through 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And we'll be speaking on the topic that is pretty much neglected nowadays in church. We'll be discussing the discipline of God. The discipline of God. This is not a an exhaustive study. We won't say everything we can say about discipline here this morning, uh, but we need to be aware uh, of this reality, uh, this grace that God uh, works in our lives for our good. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. This is God's word. Give heed to God's holy word. Verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the, uh, the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them, we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For the discipline, for they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peace, uh, peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is God's word. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, said this, quote, I'm afraid that all the grace I have got out of my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might almost lie on a penny. But the good that I have received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. What do I not owe to the hammer and the anvil, the fire and the file? He says, affliction is the best bit of furniture 
in my house, end quote. He saw in his life, he benefited from the afflictions. He benefited more from the afflictions that God sent into his life. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. What is your view of difficulties and hardships when they come into your life? What is your view? How do you see your heavenly father when challenges and trials, suffering come into your life? Do you see such times as times of learning and training or do you see them as an inconvenience? Something that should be feared. Are you anxious about such times? Or do you see the benefit and the blessing that difficulties are to be in our lives? The subject of our study here is God's discipline in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, God doesn't have any children that he doesn't discipline. If you're a child of God, God's hand of his loving hand of discipline will come, has come, is coming into your life. And God's discipline is nothing we need to fear. Because his discipline or training is not to is not to punish us. It's, 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 it's not to, to punish us. It's not God's wrath upon us because Christ has already borne the wrath of God upon the cross. Christ bore the wrath of God we deserve. So discipline, the discipline that that comes to us, comes to us through Jesus Christ and his suffering on the cross for us. And it comes as grace, the grace of God to us through Jesus Christ. Discipline is not punishment. Discipline does not always mean correction. Discipline means it could mean it could be a means of God instructing you uh, in uh, the, the 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 word that that He has given to us for our instruction, our training. And this is seen. We can see this in Second Timothy three sixteen. This same word that that is used for discipline in our passage here this morning is used in Second Timothy three and sixteen, where uh, Paul tells Timothy, "All Scripture is breathed out by God." and profitable 
So what what follows what follows is 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 that which is profitable. It, uh, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and here it is, training. The same word in our passage that is translated discipline is translated training in 1 Timothy 3.16. Training in righteousness. So God's discipline, when it comes, and it comes oftentimes with suffering, hardships, difficulties, when it comes, it comes to teach us something. That, that this is why God, God disciplined us as his children. It, it comes to teach us something. It teaches us to love God and to live holy lives. Because this is the purpose we've been chosen for. We've been chosen to live holy lives. In Ephesians 1 and 4, Paul says, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in what in what sphere in love in love this is god's god god's love the sphere of god's love we're to live in that sphere and we're to live holy and blameless lives before him and so discipline is a grace it is a blessing it is a grace of of God's loving care for his children. It, it, it is the creator. The, the, the creator of all things has, has chosen to adopt us and treat us as one of his children. And he does it because he loves us. He loves us. John 3 and 1 says, see what kind of love, what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are, he says. And if we're the children of God, God relates to us as a father. And part of that is his loving discipline in our lives. So let us consider the father's discipline here this morning. We have one main point in our outline, hardship proves sonship and sub points. There are three under this. The reminder, we'll see this in verse five. The purpose, we'll see this in verse verses six through 10 and the result of discipline in verse 11. Let us look at the reminder. We'll find this in verse five. Look at verse five with me. The Hebrew writer Remember, is writing to uh, believers that are struggling with the trials and the difficulties and the oppression and the opposition uh, that they are facing. And they're almost ready to give up. They're, they're tempted to give up and turn back to the easy life, the life of living under, uh, trying to live by the Old Testament rules and regulations. Uh, and, and so the author of Hebrews is, is in trying to encourage and exhort these believers to 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 run the race, to, to, to stay focused upon Christ and run the Christian race, 
the race in which all believers are running. And, and he knows that it is a difficult race. And, and he's, been in, he's been encouraging them. He's been encouraging them with uh, the list of Old Testament saints who have lived by faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We saw that he, he encouraged them with the example of Jesus Christ, the example of Jesus and his suffering. And he's going to encourage them today with God, with the, with the teaching that God is dealing with them in their difficulty as sons. So look at verse 5 with me. And the writer says this, And then have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the, uh, the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. These Hebrew Christians are dealing with difficulties and perhaps some of them, some of these Hebrews, Hebrew believers may have misinterpreted the difficulty they are experiencing in the Christian life. They may have misinterpreted as some form of anger or punishment or abandonment by God. They, they may have been tempted to reason that God doesn't really love or care for them because of the challenges that they are experiencing in their life. Richard Phillips affirms this when he said, no, uh, when he noted this, he said, quote, given that the, his readers were enduring hardship, his principal concern was that they not draw the wrong conclusion from their trials. How easy, he says, how easy it is for us to think we are out of God's favor when circumstances turn against us. Indeed, there is nothing but perilous, uh, perilous in trials than to conclude that God has forgotten or betrayed, or betrayed us, end quote. There's nothing more perilous, he says, to conclude that God has forgotten and is betraying you in your trials. This may be where some of these believers are. They may be thinking that God has given up on you. And the writer wants to encourage them with the right perspective. He doesn't want them to, to draw the wrong conclusions about their hardship. So what he does, he brings to mind scripture. He brings to mind, he brings to their mind Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. And he quotes, the, the quote that we have in our passage is from the Septuagint, uh, the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible. And so he points them to Scripture. He points them to Scripture and reminds them of God's perspective of them and their struggles. What is God's perspective? Not what you feel, not what you think, 
not what you read, trying to reason might be going on. What is God saying? What is God saying in his word? And again, the writer takes them to Proverbs. And what this means is he takes them to scripture. And what this means is that we need to know our Old Testament. Maybe some of you are struggling because you don't know your Bible as you are. The, the writer, he takes them right to the scripture. To encourage, and, and, and if you don't know the Bible as you are, you are missing the encouragement that God want to give you. You should be a student of the scripture to receive the encouragement, whether Old Testament, whether New Testament, to receive the encouragement that God wants to give. In setting up this passage from Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12, the writer says this. He goes on in verse 5. Look at what he says. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? He the, the, the writer rebukes them for having forgotten. Notice what he calls this passage from Proverbs. He calls it the exhortation or the NIV says. Word of encouragement. You, you have forgotten the exhortation from the word of God. The writer has already warned these believers in Hebrews chapter two, verse one. He said they must pay closer attention to what they have already heard, lest they drift away from it. He's already warned them. And here he's saying that you've forgotten something. You've forgotten something that you know, you know this, you've read this, you learned this. You've forgotten it. And troubles can do that. We can become so fixated on our troubles that we let God's word escape our attention and we easily forget what he has said. Ken Hughes write this. He said, quote, he said, we cannot be profoundly, and this is a, he, he said this is an axiom, we cannot be profoundly influenced by that which we do not know. He says the comfort and the strength of God's word will avail us not at all, if we do not know it, end quote. Moses continually warned the people of Israel about against, against forgetting God's word. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine, he says, only take care and keep your soul diligently, let least you forget the things that your eyes have seen. 
and least they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Their forgetfulness, the, 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 the Israelites' forgetfulness ultimately led them to grumbling, complaining, and turning to idols. And so we should strive to, 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 and I, and I'm not talking about a forgetfulness when, as the a part of the aging process for us, but I'm talking about a forgetfulness that comes from neglect, a forgetfulness that comes from indifference, forgetfulness that comes from uh, apathetic mindset. Bruce Hurt said this, quote, forgiveness caused a lot of necessary problems and heartaches. He says our greatest need is, is, is not for new light from God, but for paying attention to light we have already received. And so what so 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 what what, what is the solution? What is the solution to this forgetfulness that 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 is a part of the 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 remaining part of the fall that is in us, remaining sin that is in us? What is the solution? Well, the solution is this: with the help of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, treasure God's word. Treasure it. The psalmist said this. He said in Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is intentionality in this verse. We have to be intentional. We have to be studying. We have to be intentional. Uh, Be intentional. Having the word of God always on our mind. And you say, well, I can't read my Bible all the time. You can get your, you know, nowadays, this high tech. You got the high speed phones. And on the phones, you can get the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. You can get it for free. And you can play it back and let, let it, re- let the, let the word of God be played back so that you can hear it time and time again throughout the day. Treasure, treasure the word of God so that you won't sin against him. First Peter chapter two, verse two says this, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow. In respect to salvation, Colossians three and 16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell richly that dwell in you richly. And so these believers, they they have forgotten the exhortation, the word of encouragement. And and, and notice the encouragement that they have forgotten. The writer says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? God calls them sons. Sons and daughters. God calls you, if you're a believer, sons, sons and daughters. 
They are God's children. If you're a believer, you're God's child. They, these believers have forgotten this exhortation, this word of encouragement, that they're sons. They've forgotten it. This, 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 this sonship, this sonship is, is a special relation of God that is relationship with God that is reserved only for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Only those who are believers are considered to be sons and daughters of the Most High. And, 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 and having this unique privilege of being God's children, there are two responses that these believers are to guard against. And here it is. This is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And it starts, my son. Notice the, the intimacy in that. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. What does it mean to regard lightly? It is to treat something as insignificant or of little value. Writer saying, don't treat the Lord's discipline that way. Don't don't treat the Lord's discipline as it as if it's insignificant or or as if it's of little value to you. Don't look down on it as if it's worthless or unimportant. We can try to. We can do this when we try to insulate ourselves from from being disciplined by the Lord. Others need God's discipline. I don't need it. Let me tell you what God's words say to you. You're the one with the issue. We, we, We can try to insulate ourselves from the discipline of God by regarding it lightly, by seeing it of little value in our lives. The, the present reality of hardship and suffering for these Hebrew believers, the, this, this uh, hardship and suffering that they're facing, the writer is saying here, and he's implying that it's the result of God's loving discipline and training. There. They they're they're tempted to respond by turning away from Christ back to the old covenant, and the writer of Hebrews is saying to them, uh, the and and the, the Holy Spirit is saying to them through this proverb that you don't treat the Lord's discipline. Because that's what's taking place in your life. Don't treat it lightly by going back to the old covenant or being weary or being lighthearted. The hardships that they're in suffering that they're facing is the Lord's discipline for them because they are tempted to turn away from Christ. They need the hardship and suffering that they're going through so that they can 
run to Jesus Christ as they run the race. Suffering, and we'll talk about this later on, suffering has a way of getting our attention. It has a way of taking away all the things that we depend upon. Things that are not necessarily sins. Some things are sins, and it deals with that too. But he says, don't regard it lightly. Don't regard it lightly by complaining, complaining or questioning the usefulness of the trial. Instead, take what the Lord is doing. Take it seriously. Take heed and learn what he what what he is teaching. And find out what he is trying to correct. That's what that's what a that's what a child is to do. You get in God's word and and you search your life and say, God, what is it that you are after? Through the hardships and suffering that I'm going through. It is a blessing to be going through discipline. Listen to Psalm 94, verse 12. Listen to what it says. Blessed is the man whom is you. This is talking about God. Blessed is the man whom you discipline. If the Lord is disciplining you, you're blessed. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. Discipline, teaching. Even our Lord learned obedience through what he suffered. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus Christ was perfect. He never disobeyed his father. And yet he learned, he submitted and learned what it is, what it meant to obey his father. That's what our discipline. Discipline is. Is after. But if we can be like Christ. And submit to and learn. Obedience. And so this is the first response that they must avoid, taking it lightly. The second response they're to avoid is, he says, he continues in verse five, nor be weary when reproved by him. Solomon is saying, he's saying here that don't lose heart or become undone. Oh, guys, this is so tough. Oh, I can't go through it. Don't lose heart or become undone when the Lord shows you that you're wrong about something. And he corrects you in it. Don't be don't be weary when reproved by him. Don't throw in a towel. Don't become hard on yourself. Don't shut down. Don't withdraw from others. Receive what he is doing and learn from it. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. That's what the he, this is what God is doing. He, he loves you as a father, the son in whom he delights. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 said, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. That, that is to be our response. When God reprove and discipline us, we're to be zealous. Be zealous to and examine your life and repent if there's any of, of any sin, any sinful attitude, any sinful action. The motive is that he, he disciplined those whom he loves. It's God's way of loving you, in other words. The readers should see their suffering as proof of God's love. For the Lord disciplined the one he loves and chased uh, and chastises every son, every son, every son whom he receives. The chastise mean, let's not get it wrong, to whip. The chastise means to whip, beat. Discouraged. God brings pain upon his children in order to train them, not to punish them. However painful your uh, when when God disciplines you, however painful it is, just remember discipline is the privilege of sonship. It's the privilege of being a child of God. It's not punishment. Don't resent it. It is a privilege of sonship. And God the Father, who is holy, who is righteous and faithful and loving us, he will do what is necessary in order to bring his children to maturity. God would do what is necessary in order to bring you to maturity. He'll make you cry. Not because he's trying to harm you, he's trying to help you. Whatever is necessary, no pain is off limits. No pain. God can select from his catalog of pain and bring whatever pain he wants to into your life so that you can grow and mature in Christ. Think about the events and circumstances of your life. Whatever form God's discipline or training might take, remember this, is rooted in his love for you as his children. 
because he cares for you, he cares about you, there's no, there's not one part of your life that he cannot or will not use to train. He'll use anything, your health, your finances, your children, your spouse, your job, your school, your teachers, other children. God will use whatever is necessary to train you. Nothing is off limits because he knows all things. And not only does he knows all things, he's in control of all things. It, whatever comes into our lives comes tempered. God is in control of it. He's behind it. And he's doing it for your good. He orchestrates everything for your good. Romans 8 and 28. Do you believe that? What is the, what's the purpose? Look at verse 7. What is the purpose of God's discipline? The writer asks here, he said, it is for discipline that you have to endure. He's saying, accept your father's discipline and continue to endure for the purpose of training. Embrace it. Whatever the father is doing, endure under it. Endure it knowing that it is discipline and training. Why? Again, he says this different ways. God is treating you as sons. Legitimate children of God get fatherly training. Legitimate children get God's fatherly training. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, He that spares the rod hates his son, but he that loves and carefully chastens him, he loves his son. God loves you. And, and when he disciplines, you're to endure it knowing that it has a purpose. And so the, the Hebrew writer asks this question for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The implication is that all children who belong to the family of a loving father will receive discipline. Verse 8, if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. God doesn't discipline you, then you're not his child. Unbelievers, unbelievers don't receive God's discipline because God is not father to them. What is God to the unbelievers? God is judged to them. They need to repent and hurry up and repent and turn to Christ and receive his salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the unbeliever does not receive God's loving discipline. They are children of wrath. 
But it is those who are God's children, those who are legitimate sons. God disciplines every child that belongs to him. And his discipline isn't meant to discourage us. It proves that we're his son. It proves that we are legitimate children of the kingdom. And so these, these believers are to embrace and endure the discipline so that they may benefit from it as God's children. Verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respect them. You have, if you have an earthly father, he says, he, your earthly father disciplines you and you respect them. He adds, shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits, the father who is the source of all life, Shall we not be much more subject to the Father of Spirits and live? The Father who has given you life, not just physically, but life spiritually in his kingdom? Shall you not subject, submit yourself to him and his discipline? Verse 10, talking about earthly fathers, for they discipline us for a short time as it seemed best. When, when an earthly father disciplines, it's only, the discipline only lasts for a short time. You know that if you was a bad little kid, like I was, you get a whipping, and then your parents tell you not to do it again, you get a good old whipping. I got plenty of them. And, you know, my daddy told me not to play in church. I probably told you about this. Got a good old whooping. You know, playing and not paying attention. And I sat up in church one day, me and my cousin, just playing. My daddy took me right outside because I forgot. And I'm in church playing. I forgot. And my daddy said, don't play in church. And he let me have it. And everybody heard it. Because we forget. I mean, we're, we're, we're children. We're, we're children. We, we easily, we, we forget. We forget at times what, 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 what God is doing in our lives. And, 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 and sometimes we, we have to be reminded over and over again over and over again of something that God is trying to teach us. And, 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 and we have to be reminded over and over again of something that God is, 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 is trying to stop us from doing. He disciplines us for, he says, for, for an earthly father discipline, it's only for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplined, God disciplined us for our good that we may share in his holiness. God's discipline comes with everything that we need to need to grow uh, and, and live holy lives. We have everything, Peter says, that pertain to life and godliness. So God disciplines us for our good that we may. And notice the word that he says. He says that we may share in his 
holiness. God is holy and he desires that his children be holy like him. His, his discipline enables us to share in who he is and, and what he is like. God's desire is always that his people have been holy. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45, For I, God says to his people, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore... I bought you out to be your God. Therefore, you said, therefore, be holy for I am holy. Ephesians chapter one, verse four says this, for he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians chapter five, verse one says this, that we're to be imitators of God as his beloved children. First Peter chapter one, verse 15 says this, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. You're not, there is no part of your life. There is no part of what you do in life that is reserved for yourself. And whatever you do, in all that you do, God says, he says, be holy in all your conduct. So God disciplines us for, for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So when God disciplines you, know that you're being trained in holiness. So don't rebel against what he's doing. Don't be like a rebellious child and rebel. Because you're going to make it more painful. What's the result of holiness? I mean, uh, discipline. Look at verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. You see that on the page of Scripture? Now, I'm not telling you that discipline is painful. Scripture is telling you that. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. As you and I experience God's discipline, it's not pleasant. It hurts. It hurts for a time. But it's, it's good. You know, those of you that got whoopings, you know that contradiction, what appeared to be at the time for me as a child, a contradiction. My parents would say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. What? You know what's coming. And they say, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And you, you know how it is. You're reasoning your little mind. They don't know what they're talking about. Because <laughs> I know what's going to come is going to hurt. 
Yeah, for a time it hurts. What God does in our circumstances, sometimes it hurts and it will hurt. Sometimes it hurt for a short period of time. Sometimes it may hurt for a lifetime. But God is, he hasn't given up on you. He's training you. Some people experience a lot of pain in their discipline. Like Job. But the end result of one who was trained by it, he gained a, 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 the right perspective of God in the end in Job chapter 42. Joseph, no doubt, was, was just talking about the, the pain of, of having your loved ones betray you and sell you into slavery. But but Joseph was being trained by it so that he could be a blessing to God's people, to the nation of Israel. Oh, it, it's it's painful. It, it, it's painful. It could be a, a disobedient child. And, 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 and it hurts you to see your child live their lives in disobedience. The writer Hebrew says it may be painful. It's not, let's not get it wrong. It's not pleasant when God is doing something in our lives to train us because it's about us. It's about us. It's about what God is doing in our lives. And God's choice tool is pain. Pain, unlike anything else takes hold of us and it gets your attention pain gets your attention it 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 shakes you out of your disobedience or your apathy your, your indifference it it's, it it gets your attention and it does its work and cs lewis said it like this i think in his book i think the book is titled problem with pain he says this Quote, we can ignore pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us, he says, in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, end quote. God's pain that he sends through discipline is his megaphone that is meant to get our attention. Think about the nation of Israel. They were in Egypt. Slaves, painful, enduring a painful existence. They got their attention. They cried out to him. And, and, and what was the purpose of, of, of that 
that pain was that they might cry out to God and so that God might deliver them. And God said to Moses to say to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23 says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, treating them as sons. And I shall say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. All that the suffering was so that they may cry out to God, so that God might send them a deliverer so that they may serve and worship him. James said it this way, James chapter one, verse two and four, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. When you meet trials of various kinds, God, God has different ways that he deals with us in our training. When you meet trials of various kinds, it's going to be various kinds. It, there, there's, 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 there are all types of trials that God can send that he does and he is sending into your life. All types of trials. John, uh, James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. You don't, you're not running out there, you know, anticipating when he says he says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials you're going to meet them in the Christian race you're going to you're going to run and you're going to meet trials God is going to remember the race the the path the the, the path that he has uh, determined you run on that on that track, on that racetrack or trials that God has placed there for you. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces. There's something that it does when you submit to it. When you go to God's word and, 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 and you submit to, to your trials in obedience to God's word that it produces steadfastness. And that steadfastness has have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Every earthly father wants his child to excel, and God wants you to excel. So, beloved, can you say, when, when you know that you are under God's hand of discipline, and you say, God, thank you. Thank you for bringing this hardship into my life to train me. Can you say that? Samuel Rutherford said this. He said, quote, I'm talking about faith. This, this Hebrews is, is, is about knowing and, and living out uh, true faith in Jesus Christ, Samuel Rutherford said this, faith learns to kiss the hand of her striking Lord. Faith learns to kiss the hand of her striking Lord. 
Joseph learned, he said, for you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Faith learns to kiss the hand of a striking Lord. Job said this, though he slayed me, yet will I trust him. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isaiah said it when he saw the when he came into awareness of the holiness of the 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 the, the, the three uh, times holy Lord. He said, "Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips." And I'm among a people of unclean lips. There was no resentment in Isaiah. Submission. Loving submission to the sovereign God. And so as I close. Romans 15 and 4 says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If we neglect the study of scripture, we will become weary and lighthearted. As we go through the necessary trials and tribulations, in the Christian race. When we don't spend time in the word of God, we will find that we will have no hope, no encouragement, and no strength. We'll faint, we'll collapse, running the Christian race, and we'll want to give up. The scripture is given to us for and there are examples for our endurance and our encouragement. And also, we must remember that when, when the Lord disciplines us, it is a privilege of sonship. There, there, a discipline uh, proves this, that we're, we're sons of God and that we're loved by him. And that that Discipline. His discipline doesn't mean that he's angry with you or that he's at, he has abandoned you. Remember, Christ has bore in himself on the cross God's anger, God's wrath. When God disciplines you, and, he, and even if it's painful, it means he loves you and he regards you as one of his own. He's lovingly disciplining or training you, and he wants to see your hardships in, in, in that light, that, that, that your, your, your loving father is using this to, to rear you as his children. And he has a good purpose in mind. He's not abandoning. It's important to remember that when we're going through, and it may be painful, he, he's, he's not abandoning you. He's there. And he's, he, he is there with you. And he won't let 
the deep waters or the fiery trials that you're going through. He, he, wants you, he won't let you be overrun by. His love is there to sustain you and keep you. Isaiah 43 and 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, talking about the people of Israel, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. The water, the rivers, the fire, all represent afflictions, trials, difficulties. And the Lord says, I'm right there with you. I will not let it overwhelm you. It won't burn you and consume you. Because he's there loving you through it all. Sort of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They went through that and and then they came out not even smelling like smoke. that's, that's, That's what our loving God, that's an example of our loving God going through the difficulty that he sends. It was God's divine design that they were in the fiery furnace. And God was there with them in the midst. So trust in your loving father who sees you and deals with you as a son. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is so instructive to us. Father, we don't like to think about discipline. We don't like to think about your corrective training in our lives because we know that we're going to be challenged to change. We're going to be challenged to to, uh, be that which at times will cause us to put forth effort and, and, and to, to, to put forth effort to be like Christ. And we don't like to be challenged. That there is still a remaining fallen in us that we don't like to be challenged. We don't like to be told that we're to respond to what you're doing, particularly when it comes to discipline. But Father, you have lovingly instructed us in your word. And we know that you are treating us as sons, as legitimate children. And whatever discipline, whether it's light, whether it's hard and painful, it is so that we can be like you, holy, so that we can be like Christ and be conformed to his image as we live our lives in this world and serve you for your glory. It is for our benefit. And so, Father, we thank you for your word that has instructed us here this morning. But help us to apply it to our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to bring to 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 keep this in our hearts so that we may bring it to mind as we go through and deal with. And perhaps some is some in the congregation are dealing with difficulties that are coming by your hand for the purpose of training. 
Help us to remember the good purpose, the, 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 the good goal of what you're doing. That it's all about our holiness as an individual and as a church. It is about our holiness so that we could be like you. And thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.